ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. I'm Ben Francis. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Welcome back once again, Ben. Lovely to have you as always. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Today, since there is a truly wonderful breakaway glass scene in this episode, it was Ben's idea to discuss other iconic or favorite breakaway glass scenes in other TV or movies. Did you want to start us off, Ben? Sure. What got me thinking about this after they, Sam and Dean, plunged themselves out that very beautiful stained glass window, which looks to be similar to the stained glass window in Sin City. I'm. I should look that up. I haven't thought about that in so long. They're both. They're both Canada shoots. I mean, it could be. Could be. But when it comes to like uh, my favorites, there's a, a reoccurring thing in Angel mm-hmm. where they would just break very obviously the same pane of glass, but just put it in different rooms. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like they had like the highest overall glass budget of any of these breakaway shows i had seen but it was like right around the second season they throw a person through that pane of glass and then that pane of glass within a the next few shots is a uh, unbroken so that they can throw another person through it they get a two for one back to back oh man they do it fast enough that like you unless you rewind it you won't really think it's a two uh, like, wasn't that the same window but I've, I've always thought that was very funny that's hilarious <laughs> What about you, Jordan? Okay, so I was originally going to say The Wizard of Oz because I love the dissonance of kind of this like quirky family movie into like the cowardly lion running through a window in like this big Michael Bay moment. <laughs> But I actually want to use this opportunity to talk about weird wrestling facts. And, um... (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, so there was a wrestler, this would have probably been in, like, the mid to... I would say sometime between, like, the late 2000s to early 2010s, but... Shane McMahon, who is Vince McMahon's son, um, he's a wrestler who comes out and the song goes, Here comes the money, money... But there was a wrestling show, and Shane McMahon, keep in mind, Vince McMahon's son was supposed to go through glass. And how they do this, like this breakaway glass, is they obviously put in like some kind of fake glass. But instead, the set people messed up, and they didn't replace the like office glass. So there was like plexiglass in there. And so they threw Shane McMahon into it. Oh, shut up. And it did not break. <gasps> so Vince McMahon, his father, went on the comms, because he's like the head of the show, and was like, you do whatever it takes to break that glass. I do not care. And like, they threw this man into this plexiglass until it broke. And he, I think he ended up like having to like quit wrestling for a while. He like got such severe injuries from it oh my god so yeah rich people are crazy they will literally sacrifice their own children for some money what the fuck (laughs) yeah 
I remember this Vince McMahon story. I was wondering if it was going to be about Shane. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the one. I, the, there's video of it if you're curious. But uh, yeah, very bloody, very hard to watch. But it's very bloody. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jasper? Mine is actually not a single breakaway moment, but an ongoing breakaway moment joke in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, funny enough, since you mentioned Angel, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that living room window in Buffy's house throughout the series just always gets busted. And it, it's like sort of like an ongoing joke, like towards the end of the series, like they don't even fix it up because they're like, it's just going to break again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. I love it. To add on to these two, just like a little post Pride Month, all of Dorian Electra's music videos as well always has a fun breakaway <gasps> Oh, moment. shut up. I forgot about that. Yeah. They're always busting bottles on their head or whatever. <laughs> Today's episode is Season 4, Episode 9, I Know What You Did Last Summer, the one where Ruby gets her snack. Mm. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Charles Beeson and originally aired on November 13th, 2008. Nice. We just kind of get into it, no? Like, would you call this a cold open? Oh, yeah, totally. But it's like, because the cold open is actually part of the long-term plot, it doesn't feel as much like a cold open as like maybe it would if it's like related to just some randos or whatever. Because they do cut away and have to find out about the case later. Oh, true. So I think what you're saying is that it's ice cold. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tune your tune your hits to Angel Radio. Make sure that you get all the the right messages. I I do appreciate that this they even make fun of it. Girl interrupted opening sets everything we need to know right at the start, so we can just spend the rest of the episode hanging with the characters. Yeah, like, no, it's cool. This is our this is our stakes. This is how much we can barely control. This is how the fate of the world depends on it. Like it's nice that we get it right at the beginning so we don't have to like escalate to it later. We can just enjoy all the Right. Rest. Like it moves everything along so that we can actually have a Sam episode. <laughs> right. Finally. <laughs> right. They were like, you know what? I think Sam is a main character. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Sam is not a vehicle for Dean's character development? Like, what? What? What do you mean? And on a Sarah Gamble episode, too. Although, I will say, Sarah does, like, do Sam some justice here and there. Like, she is the Sam Winchester bisexual icon warrior. Yeah. (laughs) And by that, I mean, she'll put in, like, one tiny thing that makes you go, wait a second. (laughs) I know exactly what scene you're talking about. This cold open, though, like, talking about it being girl interrupted, it actually gets me kind of steamed, not at, like, the show, but just, like, in general, about, like, wow, mental health professionals do not give a shit about women. 
<laughs> I'm like within like 10 seconds or like 30 seconds like her doctor calls her hysterical and I was like Jesus <laughs> ain't that just the way yeah because we know the best thing to do when someone's having a mental health crisis is to remind them that they're hysterical and crazy right right always works it's just like it's so ridiculous and i think like there's so much energy put into like characterizing anna as like crazy here um even though like we know from her dialogue that she is way not crazy like right off the bat so it's like it's like kind of funny like they have her like space out in this really like catatonic looking kind of way every time she's like listening to the angels talking but I'm like, but she's not crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. I do really like the way they have her. Julie McNiven, or McNiven, I think is uh, her name, the actress, like sort of strain, like physically to listen, even though it's just sort of happening in her head. It looks cool. It does. She's Yeah, she plays it really well. She, she immediately like gets what this character is about. Mm-hmm. We get to enjoy it. I like also that uh, it's not that we wait for Sam and Dean to get her moving. She gets her moving. Yeah, totally. That does, for me at least, give me more confidence that like this is not one of those characters that Sam and Dean have to look after the whole episode. And more or less, they don't. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. definitely. Like, she's coming right out of there with her, you know, telekinesis and all this stuff. Like... She's not helpless, although, like, her personality later, as we see, sort of reflects, like, a childishness. Like, maybe she, she wants support and help, but she doesn't necessarily need it. I can, I can ex enjoy that part of the writing of her character quite a lot, so I appreciate yeah. that part of it. Oh, speaking of the telekinesis, too, I really like that it's it's so quick, and it's only seen, like, her using her powers in that way, like, once this episode. So yeah. we are, like, building quick intrigue around her as well. I love the way that was shot, too. Didn't it remind you yeah. of um, in, in Buffy when Willow and Tara move the uh, vending machine in that one oh, episode? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, yeah. Yeah, it was shot the same way, where they sort of, like, go in close on their face and in close on the thing back and forth a couple of times. Sarah, are you a Buffy fan? I don't know. I mean, probably. She's got, she's obviously got religious trauma and <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's the right age to have grown up watching it, so. True. Hmm. Are you a Buffy fan? Uh, I'm a fan of some of it. Some of it? I think what it did and its cultural legacy is very important, but I also think that it could get very sloppy with, I, I just think Xander sucks so much oh that he takes God, the show away. Oh my God, I so hate I, th him. It, I think like when it's at its sloppiest is when he is really given the ball, so to speak. To, I know, to run with. Joss. We don't. We hate your stupid self-insert character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. He's <laughs> like the moment he's running the plot. Anyway, that, that's a, that's a sidebar digression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M more or less, I appreciate Buffy's status in the cultural landscape. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You always, you always get it, Ben. You always get it. You always know. I've, I've seen way too much TV. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all sort of in that same boat, unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately, I don't know. Mm. Sure. Shout out to this particular line of dialogue that Anna says to her doctor. Look, I get it. You think I'm nuts. If I was you, I'd think I was nuts. Because literally that's me um, with regards to any time someone starts talking about 
or gets me going about Destiel or this show in general, but specifically that, I'm like, listen, <laughs> I sound like a crazy person, but... And I know that neither of you can really appreciate how completely, like, Swiss cheese that stuff makes your brain. And it uh, it sort of makes me wish Allie was here, um, so I wasn't alone on Dusty L Island. But, yeah, just brief aside to make fun of myself there. <laughs> See, it's it would have been a Dusty L, it would have been a Dusty L episode, but then, of course, Uriel has to show up. So now it's like, uh, third wheel on the date. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Really hold it. I I love like it's so funny you say that because like Cass is literally in one scene and I'm just like obviously this is a Cass episode. <laughs> 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 but yeah, overall, I just really love this cold open. I wish every single fucking cold open was like this cold open. It's just so seamless, you know. Sometimes I just want to be punted into it. This bar scene that follows it up, though, is a little less impressive to me. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like Jared is a bad actor. And acting drunk is really hard already. And then he's having to act like he's acting like he's drunk. But I'm just like, I can't look at this. I don't know. For whatever reason, it just, like, really cringes me out. So I'm, like, extremely relieved when Ruby shows up and, like, the facade is dropped. I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Ruby, you saved me. It's really funny because I've complained that we don't get enough griffs before. Mm-hmm. And then when I get it, I'm like, oh, I don't like it. They can stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby is doing it for me, though. I'm always happy when she's back. Yeah, me too. We haven't had enough Ruby this season. And, like, she's a woman, so I know we're not going to have her much longer. So I'm like, <laughs> give us as much Ruby content as possible. <laughs> Aww. I just love when she's on screen. She's so tiny, and her little lisp is so cute. And, like, look at her. Look at her. She's so cute. I, I want to know, uh, Ben, what you think about, like, this whole interaction between the three of them. Because I feel like the last time we had you, it was it was the haymakers. Oh, yeah, well, they're just throwing down. Uh, but in, the, in this case, it just seems like she's over it. <laughs> and, like, doesn't even want to engage it in that way. Like, right. I, th- I liked how all business she was here. Yeah. And that even in all business mode, that Dean doesn't even want to do anything about it he he businessman respects business is i guess what i'm trying to say i appreciate that uh he's able to at least go with it in the, in this regard and well go with it to a point that leads to the sam and dean uh story time later in the episode because he's like i can only go with this so far like even the way he couches it and his stance in the bar is like what do these two know about each other before he was like protective in, a, in a, like a physical like from harm sense and now he's getting protective and like a she's invading my um, emotional zone with my bro right <laughs> kind of way totally. and i thought i thought that was like a, a nice contrast from the haymakers yeah i i appreciate that they're not just developing ruby as a character but developing her relationship to the characters right and that she is aware of what she needs to do if she wants wants the the choices she has to make in order to get further with each of them and uh i like that i like that uh she's a savvy demon as opposed to some of the other demons we see in this show like the one that uh sam decides to uh put a knife in the hand of (laughs) right (laughs) just like just ones that don't understand how they work at all or like it's such a contrast between like that demon and ruby so yeah yeah most of the demons we encounter in this show are just like essentially red shirts 
and yeah. then there's characters yeah, like Ruby. Shirts. I love that you bring up how Ruby is like, okay, I know how I need to deal with this situation in order to like have things work with Sam how I want them to because even in like the first episode of the season, she literally says to Sam, she's like, look, I'm not trying to get in between you and your brother. Like, I don't want any part of that. No way, no how. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, it really is like on her mind. I, I gotta say though, I just love like once Dean has calmed down with like the punching and calling her a bitch to her face a bunch, he's just like a brat. He's just a brat. He's yeah. like, yes. we can't do that. We're busy. Like, he's, he basically is like... Shutting her nah, down nah, nah, for the nah, sake nah. of it. <laughs> yeah, shutting her down for the sake of it rather than if she had ideas that would be dangerous or detrimental to the plan. Just like shutting her down to do it. Mm-hmm. Versus here, he's more reluctant still, but like he he can understand that like a lead is a lead, as he puts it, and they, they go off. Right. Car shots. We're back in the car. We of love, course. We love the car. Because the car is a character. The car is a character. The car is a place. The car, car is John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, before we move on from the bar, though, I want to talk about what the fuck was going on with the decor in the bar. Did you guys notice those giant white horses over top of the bar? No, I did not. You didn't? Giant white horses. They're so huge. They were like these huge fucking decorative horses with like a big blue background. Like they were jumping through waves or something. I don't know. It was fucking nuts. I was like, what is this doing here? You do you do ho- notice, uh, Jasper, a lot of horse imagery in television. When we were talking about uh, Peaky Blinders uh, okay, off the okay, pod, okay. But we, to we be talked fair. at length about horses. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the horse horses are like an ongoing important motif and like like piece of character building for the main character of Peaky's. <laughs> so you you don't get to come on now. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, tr- I trust your read. I just I just think it is very funny that of of the three of us you noticed first. I'm gonna go back and look for the horses now. Are you trying to throw shade, Ben? That Jasper's secretly a horse person. <gasps> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> what in the hell? I yeah, obviously I... my image is like in danger here. Like I I don't <laughs> need people thinking I'm a horse girl gender neutral. <laughs> no, like that's not the vibe. But I will point out that I was the one who was trying to talk about the big horse mural in Yellow Fever. So I don't know. Maybe you're onto something. Maybe deep <laughs> down in my soul, there's some like need to do horse stuff. I will say I noticed the big horses and I also was trying to draw some kind of symbolism because like angels have now been introduced to the series. When we look at like the symbolism related to horses, we think of like journeys. We think of like, you know, adventure, but we also think of like uh, chariots and like rising of the sun and like biblical things. So Mm. uh, I was like, maybe they're going to go that way. But I really think they just wanted to put big fucking horses on a bar. Yeah, I I just like I have to wonder about it because um, they don't put stuff in there willy nilly. So and it seems like a huge thing to just slap on there willy-nilly. And when I say, like, huge, I don't just mean, like, in terms of meaning or metaphor or something. They were they were big. <laughs> they were physically <laughs> large. So I don't know. Anyone wants to talk to me about the big-ass horses in that episode, hit me up. Because, you know, I got ideas. They're basically along the same lines as you were saying, Jordan. But, I, you know, nothing definitive. Not like in Peaky's. There's so much context. I can talk about peakies and horses forever. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that one, that one, yeah, I, I can, I can see more of it. But also, you can't, you can't not see it. I can't believe that I'm actually the only person who didn't see the horses this episode. That means I really have to go back and check. Yeah, they're I, they're really not on there for a very long time, and they're like above your eye line, and like where you're gonna be looking. Partially, I think because um, Jen Padalecki is so short. Um, <laughs> so we're like, when we're like looking at her and Jared making eye contact, where our eyes are already so much <laughs> further uh, down the screen. But yeah, no, you should go back and look. They were fucking weird. Do we want to start digging into these flashbacks now? I'm really yes. into the flashbacks. The flashbacks are great. The flashbacks were fun because I feel like I was complaining about not getting to see what Sam was doing. Yeah. Like while um, Dean was dead. And like here they just like give it to me and in a very PG-13 way. Right. They were like, let's make it violent. Let's make it sexy. I was like, go you little Sam having your own hobbies, your own interests. They mostly include fucking Ruby, but. And like being drunk and eating pizza. Yeah. (laughs) And he did like you wanted. He got to be a little bit evil as a treat. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Right? So, okay. So I mentioned Sarah Gamble being a by Sam warrior. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked in a previous episode. I want to say it was um, the first Gordon episode, uh, Bloodlust, where like he had like kind of an eye moment with like the bartender. That was a Sarah Gamble episode. Yeah. And then I I don't know that it's been established yet in canon, but at some point, I think during this season, the establishing canon that like the crossroads demons show up as like your ideal like fantasy person that you would want to be attracted to or something, which this is the first time we've seen the crossroads demon that was a dude, I think. And it was Sam. Uh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's like true. Hey, guess what? Sam likes dudes. Again, little little baby reminder. Yeah. Well, plus, like, I feel like if they did want to get away from like that, they would not have picked someone who was like, I like, they could have picked someone who was like way outside of typical beauty standards. Oh, yeah, no, totally, totally, totally. If they wanted to like just have it be a random crossroad demon. But no, it, it seemed there did seem to be some kind of intention behind it. Right. I think um, in in these flashbacks in particular, like, Jared is so good. Like, I, we've talked before about how sometimes, like, his acting is not always as convincing when he's being, like, really upset or, like, when he's being evil. But I think he's really awesome in these just being, like, totally off the wall, moody and drunk and mean and angry. He's so good in this scene. Ben, you brought up when he is like, fuck it, and just like stabs the dude's hand. I love that, that's awesome. His explosions of grief really work with him as an actor and the character. Yeah. Also further t- furthering your, your bi theory, he does technically penetrate a demon, but a man with that knife. So right. Phallic image. It's it's there. Yeah. If you're looking, you can you can wink at it. Yeah, so. you can. One thing I know this is weird, but what I was thinking about during that scene is when you make a deal with a crossroad demon, don't you have to seal it with a kiss? Yeah, that's why there's the thing about them being like your your fantasy lover or whatever. Because they want you to be like more trust. Yeah, like it. someone yeah. you would want to kiss. We were robbed. I know, right? <clears throat> whatever. 
though I mean the whole scene like they were never gonna make a deal anyway so you know but yeah mm. I love the uh, the bit of dialogue when the demon is like denying Sam, like, no, we're not gonna deal with you. It's like right before that, where he's like, oh, you're gonna like make a deal for your brother whose dad made a deal for him and blah, blah, blah. And he, he says like round and round the Winchesters go or whatever. <laughs> Miss Sarah Gamble said trauma is a cycle. <laughs> I just really like that line. I don't know. Like, sometimes when they are kind of like, hey, audience, are you paying attention? But it's, like, offhandedly enough during a scene, like, there's other stuff that's more important to the emotions and, and like, whatever else. Um, I kind of like it. I don't know. Like, draw attention to those things. Be like, are you paying attention? I Like... And I know I complain about that in the past, but sometimes it's like they're looking too directly into the camera. My point is, this is a good balance. And this is when yes. I like it, is when it's like this level. I love that in season four, they're just like, what if we let Sam be kind of a hard ass? What if we just let that happen for him? Yeah, and I hope they kind of let it keep going a little bit too. Yeah. I do feel like um, Dean has a really strong personality. Like as a newer viewer, yeah, you could give me a situation and I could like, I have a point of reference for how Dean would react to the situation. I don't as much for Sam. Yeah. But I feel like we are building that up in this season, actually, especially in this episode. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about like right away having an idea of how Dean reacts to things. I think that's established within like, four or so episodes of the show overall yeah absolutely and i don't think you can say that as much for sam which i mean is just a thing but yeah at at this point like having him have some serious character development and like behavior change and evolution of any kind is starting to be kind of vital guys come on yeah pay attention to poor little sam <laughs> okay so i I think this is when they speak to the doctor at the hospital yes yes they do and that same doctor is like still so dismissive oh it makes me so yeah. sad she's just she's like so um like benignly condescending about mentally ill people and like i'm like poor anna <laughs> yeah. no one wants to believe what women have to say in a medical setting I'm, like, sitting there watching this episode, like, man, this is why I hate doctors. She's right, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, like, in real life, if people are, like, talking about, like, yeah, no, the apocalypse, like, like, I get it. But, like, I feel like this is applicable to, um, like, more mundane sorts of ranting and stuff as well. But anyway... I, uh, I was really curious because she like, I want to know the rules of what she picks up from the angels. Like they have like the Sam Haynes next seal broken thing. But I'm like, does she ever get like their Denny's order or something? <laughs> <laughs> right. Are angels allowed to gossip on their angel radio or is that like strictly, you know, like forbidden on official channels? You have to gossip on like pirate <laughs> angel channels. Well, I mean, like, Anna kind of mentions that they, like, talk about Sam and Dean. So it seems like maybe they are kind of gossiping about some stuff. Dean is a fugly slut. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, apparently that's what they're saying about Sam for real, though. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and they don't like you. (laughs) Like, to his face. Right. Oh, my Uh, God. She's so used to the gossip, she's forgotten a little bit of what kind of person isn't standing in front of her, which I think is, it's endearing. Right. Like I was saying about being a little bit childish. Yeah. She's like, oh, this person that angels talk about being demonic. I should probably say something insulting in in front of him. (laughs) I should probably make him upset at me. I love, like, I have telekinesis and I can tap into, like, angels talking to each other or whatever. But also I'm kind of a bimbo. Like, I love that. (laughs) I love the vibe. We need more bimbo representation. For real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they see that she has been trawling a church window, and they assume that's where she's running. Actually, there was one thing about when they <laughs> when they find the parents' bodies. I love Sam like crouches down and like gets the sulfur on his finger and sniffs it. And I I just like they always why do they always sniff it? You know, it just it like reminds me of my fucking dad like opening up the spoiled milk and smelling it every time like even though we know it's spoiled like don't just throw it away you know what i mean at that point you might as well just like lick it right i'm like obviously it's sulfur what do you what like what do you think it is (laughs) uh is this just like a cis guy thing that i don't understand that's what i assume everything is (laughs) the desire to just eat something off the ground is a that's just a cis cis guy thing you gotta gauge it, it the can mouth be, I think it can be in any one thing, but I, I notice cis guys taking the unnecessary risk the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, you learn something new every day, I guess. I do love that Anna is hiding behind this stained glass figure. I'm not entirely sure who it is. Um, I tried to look it up unsuccessfully. It's, I'm pretty sure it's like a saint because it's a, it seems like a Catholic church just based on the amount of the Virgin Mary going on up there. Ho, oh, damn. But yeah, maybe St. George. I don't know. It's a guy holding a flag. But anyway, so she walks out in front of the big, the big pink stained glass when she like confirms that it's Sam and Dean or whatever. And I have to laugh because it's a, it, it's like the lesbian flag glass. <laughs> like it was actually before that flag was made but still and like i understand they're doing like it's more of like a color thing it's like you know she's innocent and girlish and naive but maybe passionate at turns blah 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 you know and and it does make her a very clear point of interest visually because she's like in the middle of this big thing it looks cool is what i'm saying i like it more stained glass. <laughs> yes. Well, they do really like to break the stained glass, which yeah, that was really that fun. was fun. As much as I'm like, okay, wasn't that like two stories up? And like, how many bones did they break? Yada yada. That was fun. That was a fun jump. <laughs> it was good. I love it. One hundred percent. Anna Milton is Sarah Gamble's self-insert character. <laughs> Religiously traumatized Winchester fangirl, and good for her. I like that she's more excited to talk about them before asking, wait, what happened to my parents? Which also is like a, wait, you didn't go home first? Like, that was another thing where I'm just like, huh? But I do I do appreciate that her fangirl comes first before family. Yeah. Which is a, it's a mood. It is. Oh my gosh. Fandom before family, of course. Love you, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
immediately a Dean girl, which is kind of funny in like this Sam episode. Like the whole episode is like, yay, OMG, we're finally getting some Sam character development and, you know, insight into his mind. It's not her fault that Castiel's always gushing over him and Angel Radio. Yeah, that's true. That it's not. And you know what? Maybe she's just like us, you know? She just has more information about what he's like <laughs> than Sam. Very fair. She can totally blame the writers for this outcome. I really liked in this like sequence here that like there's Dean who has not trusted Ruby this whole time, like just trust Ruby with Anna. Like, without even thinking. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, they don't have time to really worry about it that much, I think, is, like, part of it. (laughs) Anna's reactions to Ruby are so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, the first time she um, sees her, I I really think of, like, and in the cold open, too, when she, like, sees that demon... I think of that, like, fucking Red Letter Media review of, like, one of the Star Wars prequels. They're, like, talking about some one-off alien or something, and he's like, what's wrong with your face? Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so whenever she does that here, I'm, like, immediately thinking about that obscure thing. Sorry, people. And <laughs> I'm talking about that. It's stupid. But I'm, like, giggling at the dumbest stuff throughout this episode. <laughs> But yeah, you're right that, like, Dean is a little more willing to go along with Ruby in this scene. Like, she even, um, like, seems to convince Dean to let Sam try and do the thing, like, the exorcism thing pretty easily this time, whereas he's thrown, like, huge fits about it before in the past. Yeah, I think it was just, like, with him being more accepting in the next scene, I just thought it was, like, kind of a fun way of that um relationship building between the lines yeah definitely because i think dean um like he says like in the next scene like i want to understand but i think like he does really and has for a minute even though he's like pissed like he does like he trusts sam and that makes him want to trust her even if he doesn't want to you know what i mean yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yes yes what did you guys think of Alistair, by the way? He's okay. He's okay. <laughs> I think the fact that Anna sees everyone's, like, demon face, uh-huh. like, that's, like, part of her deal. Um, when, like, Alistair walks in the room, I was like, all right, time to, time to like, see what this person's really about. And uh, we only kind of get it in, like, the interplay between uh, Dean and Alistair when he's, like, literally returning the haymakers. And he's right. like, remember me? Remember that time we spent together? And I'm like, uh, yeah, but it, I thought that would be a moment where they would, like, have the the more, like, true face exposed. But they really didn't go that direction. And I was like, huh, maybe it's, like, an ace in the hole for later. But Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I thought that that was, like okay well anna can see ruby's demon face but not his or didn't make eye contact with him uh, yeah i her, think I she, guess her she like pretty much bolted she was like nope see ya yeah <laughs> so i'm curious to for like a, a full full alistair uh re-reveal it would be nice I, yeah. i'm looking forward to it yeah because really he doesn't do anything that a normal demon doesn't he just is bigger and more imposing and like the normal things don't work on him so yeah i'm just kind of curious to see where 
what he leads to. Are you excited to see further Alistair and Dean shenanigans? I am. Oh, it also makes me kind of excited for Lilith, too, since this isn't the big bad. Like, we have someone even more. And they've mentioned Lucifer, right? Mm-hmm. In this episode, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they shout out Lucifer and God. They both get shout outs this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm oh, right that time. That's yeah. true. See, I'm just excited to see the real big, big bads when they come out. The reason I asked was because I remember you talking about, like, being really invested in Dean's, like, PTSD and, like, hell trauma and stuff. And, like, in walks in the physical representation of oh, his hell right. trauma PTSD. So I, I hope that you'll enjoy where this goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially because, like, it was right. Like, this came pretty quickly after the whole conversation of, like, um, I'll share you my stories if you share yours, like, Sam to Dean earlier. Yeah. So I knew we were building up for something. Right. And I wasn't expecting it to, like, literally have Dean face his hell trauma head on. And then they shatter the glass. <laughs> yes. Very fun, as we mentioned. And this leads us into flashback number two. Lots of fun, angsty, romantic trope stuff going on in this scene. And in, in the next flashback that immediately follows it. Because it's just sort of like a big chunk interspersed with Dean remarks. Ruby in the first flashback played by the different actress. Yeah. Is it's the first time I think really, like you said, romantic tropes and such. And I mentioned before at the the start of the episode or in the bar scene. Uh, this is Ruby very much aware of what she needs to do in order to achieve the goals she wants and as well as like have the dynamics with the brothers that she wants, and particularly Sam she's willing to make changes and sacrifices that other demons wouldn't make like we've talked about and how she doesn't like actor behave like other ones Mm -hmm. like immediately when sam gives her in a state of like grief and and despair and everything like he hasn't kicked her out of the car mind you but he is ready to kick her out of that body right and for her it's it's not a like difficult choice she's like oh absolutely it's worth doing uh, and I think that's one of the funnier moments in this episode is when <laughs> we get a hard cut to the hospital oh, where yeah. they're about to like pull the tubes out. And it, it is like literally the perfect vessel, like no soul, she's not alive. Right. Then, <laughs> even the French fries line, like it's cheesy, but it's good. Yeah. Like, it is It is very her. Yeah, no, it totally um, is. I love like her like earthiness, I guess, in that way. Like, in season mm-hmm. three, they're one of the, I think maybe the second time or the third time that we meet Ruby ever, she's, like, she, like, steals a bunch of Sam's fries at, like, a diner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did have that big conversation about, like, salt, like, salted foods. How, how does that work? But, and, like, it doesn't matter because it's cute. Like, it's funny. <laughs> we like it. Yeah. 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 No, it totally is. And, like, it feeds into like i love how that feeds into like the sex scene that they that they get into um where she's like i'm the only one in here which like doesn't feel like because you know that's how people are they're just themselves inside their their bodies unless you have like did or whatever but Mm -hmm. um like it feels like extra erotic 
because of like the nature of a demon like at all so i don't know i like i just i love that whole dynamic and you're so right that she does make all kinds of changes and like her behavior and everything for sam like when dean first encounters her in this season um and she's just like doing whatever sam is telling her to do it's it's so it's so interesting it's such a change from season three where she's always stomping around and being like oh my god you guys are so fucking dumb <laughs> I, th- I think I like the in the way that the the boys grow on her i think uh it takes her growing on the boys particularly sam and uh their practice sessions which aren't successful where she is a supportive partner she wouldn't be ripping into him for messing up or not getting right. all the way there like there's more of a of a dynamic that's already in rapport that's still between them so that when she does make her move on him uh sam initially doesn't really you know how to co- comprehend it he's so like just griefed up and everything yeah but like eventually like he comes around to it because he comes around to everything that has been built before like i, res- I respect her method she laid the she laid the groundwork she made her move and it all worked out yeah <laughs> well dean probably didn't want to hear it but it did all work it out. did <laughs> there's something about sam in like the flashbacks even when he's like nasty drunk and like being horrible there's something really attractive to me about sam in these scenes so like unfortunately i'm like yeah that's hot <laughs> when they hook up i'm like yeah <laughs> okay i believe it <laughs> ruinous disaster sam is very attractive to ruby too and like that's i think also why she is so forward with him in that moment oh yeah she realizes like this is my moment this is it yeah no she knows it's like it's interesting that she is employing like so much empathy i think this season like i don't know it's not that you don't get the sense that she's empathetic in season three it's she's just so much gentler with him and i feel like all the discussions of like i remember what it feels like to lose somebody that line drives me insane i want to know about that like you know what i mean yeah i if we could get a like we know ruby was a human at one point that was like kind of a big reveal yeah about demons like i really wish we could get a flashback or hope maybe we do get a flashback about like ruby's past uh, I'm just gonna let you know that we don't, so you're not like yeah, hoping for it. The, the most we get is when she's talking to Dean and she's like, "Oh yeah, I like I died during the Salem witch trials." So this is a big aside, and it's not exactly in the flashback. It's in like the motel where Sam and Dean are in the present. And um, so, do you remember Jordan in um, season two, episode ten? It was Hunted. That was the one where um, we met Ava Wilson and like she had had the vision of Sam and Dean or like Sam dying because Gordon like blew him up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the Blue Rose Hotel and how everything in that was blue? It's one of the few I actually remember. Right. Well, that's because they were so like everything, everything, everything was blue. Yeah. There's a um, Blue Rose neon sign. Uh, right in the window behind uh, Dean's head. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. I know. I'm, see, that's why I'm like, hmm, I'm, I'm like, I'm using my noodle. That's what. That's why with like the horses, I'm like, that ha- there has to be something going on. I don't know. I guess I like it's possible it was an accident. It's, I'm just like, but what if it wasn't? But then even if it wasn't, it's like, 
you know, how much can you ignore just like flat out what things were intentional and like, I'm very into just like, what are you presented with and what does that say? Like what kind of tone does that add? Because people add things in without realizing they're doing it consciously, you know? Um, yeah, like absolutely. as as an artist, like I do that. Well, plus like, I don't know, that kind of stuff is so important to television as a media because like that's what separates it from like reading a book or listening right. to a podcast. Right, it's literally all the those visuals, visual cues. yeah. So yeah, I'm very curious. I do not know why, <laughs> but I'm interested to know why. Yeah, it's one of those things that makes like a question mark that I enjoy. I love a question. I don't need the question to be answered necessarily. I just like to think about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The reason I'm thinking about this is because um, the lighting in the flashbacks is also like very good and like indicative of the tone. So like I'm already like super honed in on like the lighting and stuff and then that pops up. But yeah, it's like it's like fun. I don't know. You remember there were in um in the one with the haymakers, the Rugaru um episode, he encountered Dean encounters Sam and Ruby in the basement and they're like sort of half in light, half in shadow from like the light coming in that like itty bitty window. And like yeah. this whole like sequence of scenes is like in this place he's squatting in that's sort of half in light half in shadow from like the boarded up windows and I love like the greenery kind of coming through too it's like thinking about like growth um so maybe like character growth or like the start of something new in terms of like their dynamic which we do see yeah. my brain is always going at a million miles a minute so like I said I could be reading too far into it but I thought it was really aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it was very aesthetically pleasing. I don't know. I really liked the shutters and, yeah, the intense lighting on the plants. There's so many things about all of, like, I mentioned, like, romantic tropes. There's so many things about this that I find, like, really, really compelling. Like, at the beginning of the second flashback, she's like, I'm a fugitive for you. Oh, like, that intensity. I, like, I just love it. And like I mentioned, it's just me in here, like that kind of thing. And like the fact that she is literally making herself vulnerable to attack and death by like giving him the tools to kill demons more effectively. But then like <laughs> when they get down to like her trying to like seduce him directly, this dialogue is so like... <laughs> It's so goofy. When I saw them fighting in that dialogue sequence, like or Sam wrestling rather with his desire and like what he feels versus what he thinks he has to do to protect himself, right? Um, and like watching him like break down through it, like the dialogue is very. I for you like it, it got you like giggling. For me, it was like this is not bedroom talk. This is like person who got kissed and now like their brain doesn't work talk this is and like, i thought on that level it kind of worked for me but like they're yeah. they're otherwise like back and forth in it it's like he doesn't really need that much convincing right but, like, right his, no he doesn't i think like it's just like fighting it more than anything she just needed to keep talking like i feel like yes. it was gonna happen yes from like the second she like kisses him like we know what's gonna happen like he just needs a minute to get used to the idea himself 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> if we're talking about, like, what the dialogue sounds like, it sounds like fucking shame kink talk to me. <laughs> a little bit. A little. Like, really ham-fisted, kind of cringy shame kink stuff going on. Clumsy. Clumsy like Sam. Just a little bit clumsy. A little bit clumsy, yeah. I don't know, but the worst thing about all this, right, is that it kind of works anyway for the scene. Like, even yeah, though scene, she's like, ooh, it's bad and it's wrong and, like, whatever. Like, it works. And I know that, like, part of it is just because the two of them have such good chemistry together. No, that makes I sense. I think so, too. I think their chemistry is car carries the scene. Like I said, like it's like he gets kissed and his brain stops working. And as you put it, like they just need to keep talking to get there. It's like yeah, that's what that's what happens in that post moment. I think if I think if they played it as like a quiet moment, it would have worked too. But I, it is it is more Sam for him to like fumble his way back in <laughs> than like confidently like collect himself and then make his move back like no it, it works though right works. right i i think back to the scene in heart in season two or yeah that was season two with um the girl who turned out to be a werewolf why can't i think of her name right now um well anyway in any event it, it that was like a similar thing where she was like sort of egging him on until it reached like a breaking point. I think it's really cool here too. Like once he's like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this or whatever. The music gets really sinister and like kind of spooky. It wasn't played like steamy. It was played like danger. Yeah. Like, like he's fully being as, as uh, though it is funny when, when Dean interrupts him, like, I didn't need to know all that, <laughs> like, brother moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, Sa and sound I think plays it does. a big uh, part of that, too, because, like, the music is setting such a specific tone, and then it just stops abruptly. <laughs> I, I think it does play into Dean's perspective, too. Like, it leads into, out of, it leads out of the flashback well, is what I want, meant to say, because now when Dean is challenging it, like, so it seems like she's using you a lot to do things that you wouldn't normally do, and then she screwed you. I don't know, brother. Like he's he's given like the the fifty fifty hindsight talk, uh -huh. but like he's not purely fifty fifty at that point. He's starting to think that like maybe Ruby has some chance of utility. It's just that like her methods are off. Right. And then like later when they get to the next flashback, he's a little warmer to her given the conditions of that one. Right. Right. Totally. I have never would have considered that like the music is setting us up for. Um, Dean's sort of distaste and disagreement for her behavior generally, but that's a good point. This fight scene to me is only okay until like right at the end. With Lilith and like yeah, well, when he decides, with like I'm gonna deal Lilith. with it once and for all. I'm gonna deal with it. And Ruby's like, yeah, sure, yeah, you're so ready to deal with it. Like it's more of like you said, the season three her a little bit. Like in fact, it's this is when Dean I think is warmer to her overall. Is the moment that she does something Dean would do. Right. Is the first moment that Dean is like, okay, I I get where you're coming from with her. Right. He can actually. It it's also speaks on Dean's relationship to women <laughs> that like she has to act like him for him to start res respecting her more fully yeah. instead of but like I'll I'll still take it like I'll I take kind of read it the where... other way around where it's sort of like uh, because she is like trying to almost parent or like mentor Sam 
um, then he is like, you know, I respect that. But because he sees himself as like a mentor or a parent, this is way later in the series. But um, he tells a character in anger, like, I had to be a mother and a father um, to Sam. So, like, got, so there's daddy issues, too. That yes. <laughs> if, if, if he's like pulling. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder then. At first, I was just like, maybe just like game recognized game, but no, it's it's a protective thing. Of course it is. Yeah. Because it's yeah, yeah. It's a protective thing. And that's why he's so like anti Ruby in the first place. But then once she's like showing these protective kind of mama bear kind of instincts, then he's like, all right. But I see that as well, especially with the way that um, for a long time, and I think they've sort of. They've, they've eased up on it by season four a lot. But for a long time in the early um, seasons, they try and push this narrative of um, Dean on us, of him being like a misogynist and like a womanizer, like really hard. And it's very incongruous with like um, other kinds of characterization that he gets, but they, they like really pump the brakes on it at this point. But anyway, my point mm. is that that tracks um, with what you were saying, where it's like a, you have to act like like me kind of thing. But the scene, the fight itself is kind of blah, I think. Yeah, it's just it's just to establish that without her, he would have been in way deeper shit. Right. I do love that they pick a guy to like be fighting her that's so much bigger than um, that actress, than Genevieve Padalecki. Like, I think on purpose to like let us know that she put herself in so much shit in order to get Sam out of it that I I do like that also like that guy was huge just objectively like the size of her his hand on her throat I was like what in the fuck it's it's a nice payoff too where where Sam returns the favor to like clear the room and clear the room in a way that she would appreciate something that she taught him. Right, It's exactly. a nice little tie together. Good writing. Shout outs to the writer, Sarah Gamble. Yeah, no, Sarah like, it's, Gamble it's is, effective. is good. Um, my big beef with her is just all of the, the fucking Gordon Walker stuff, you know? What was yeah. that about, Miss Sarah? That was real racist. Uh... I know. What are, you, what are you gonna fucking do, right? Like, right after this point is when Ruby busts in and is like... Oh, as the maid. Yeah, as the maid, which, uh, of course, yeah. is, it's a black lady who is the maid, because <laughs> it's always a woman of color when it's a maid in the show. I did think she killed it, though. One scene wonder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. She actually killed it. Good job to that lady. Now that we've had this serious stuff happen, and Dean is like, yeah, okay, you're right we can move on like we don't really need any more of the emotional tension between like the three of them and that thing that dynamic like it's a little bit played out for where they're at at this point so like it alleviates that and we get this really great like just three buddies making jokes kind of situation i love it it's like bantery and teasing and like allows allows ruby a little bit more room as a character it was just kind of refreshing like sam we talk about it being a sam episode but like also this might be like one of my favorite ruby episodes too right yeah like i don't know she just like adds a lot i think like 
I'm really excited for Castiel to become a bigger part of the show because, like, I think Ruby proves how much the dynamic of the show is improved by having that third person there. Right, totally. So I'm just excited to see where it goes. Speaking of the dynamic, are you pro Sam Ruby? I am. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Sam needs someone to spice it up, and Ruby spices it up. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same boat with that one. And, like, I love that you use the word spice it up, or the phrase spice it up, because I feel like (laughs) if I was going to characterize, like, them versus, like, some of, like, Dean's romances in the show, like, his are always, like, comfy, um, but, like, Sam's are always, like, spicy. (laughs) There's an element to Sam's relationships where he, he's not as cool hand Luke as his brother mm-hmm. he's way more cagey and like wily and that can make it a lot hotter in his relationships yeah yeah totally for me at least i like i like a, a wild cat but that's just me. <laughs> uh yeah whereas like dean's all bark and no bite <laughs> yes <laughs> poor little man he just wants to be the little spoon <laughs> So I have predicted before that I do think Ruby is actually going to betray them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why exactly yet. I guess I could talk about that later in my predictions, but I'm glad she didn't. But I also think it would have been really cool if when they went out the back window where she had sent them, if they were like surrounded by demons. Right. Just like the contrast of like, oh, we like just decided that she's okay, actually. But then. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh, that would be a supernatural thing to do, too. Yeah, no, totally. What did we think about the last scene and where they left it on the cliffhanger? Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like this is the episode that's going to kind of set up the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Because when we learn that um, they say that Anna has to die. Right. It's like we had just built up with Castiel that like he did not want that city to be destroyed when Uriel did. Right. So we started to put a little bit of faith in the angels, and now, like, here they just come and, like, rip that away, and now we're kind of left naked and afraid. I'm very excited. Right, yeah. Like, the the whiplash there is pretty crazy. Yeah. And it, I think it's, um, it's smart to have, like, Uriel there insulting not just the boys, but, like, Ruby as well. Like, yeah. when... They're like, oh, man, we've been having demon problems all day. And he's like, oh, I can see that. You know, like, what is that stain doing here? And we're kind of like on the defensive for her now. Um, because I think we're supposed to, like, dislike Uriel. Meanwhile, I'm, like, snapping my fingers. I'm like, yes, <laughs> every time he's <laughs> on screen. But, you know, it is what it is. I, yeah. I love a good baddie. Castiel showing up with Ariel is a nice little... This this pair will travel or work together in more stuff. And I, I appreciate that because now we're getting uh, not just like demon dynamic and like demon evil Sam dynamics <laughs> that I was interested in, but now we're getting uh, angel, angel cop and angel enforcer right. dynamics together. Oh, that's which, such a good uh, way of putting it. Yeah. I'm also just forever seeing this is not the fault of the actor. This is not Robert Wisdom's fault for being a good actor, but it is my brain's fault for commonly associating him with his roles in uh, police procedurals such as The Wire. Right. Whenever he walks in on screen, I always see him in, uh, in those types of positions. 
that's that's me that's what i'm bringing to it but it's it's very exciting to see him like taking charge of a situation and yeah <laughs> just <laughs> ridiculing everyone well, in the and room it's like it's like owns. fun to see him in this like after having finally watched the wire too because i feel like his character in the wire is like trying so hard to get stuff done and to make changes and whatever meanwhile like uriel is like just stomping around and being a dick all the time like he just doesn't have any compunctions about being an asshole or like doing what he wants necessarily whereas like the character in the wire was so like restricted and frustrated in that way so i'm like you go you be free (laughs) he he was very hamstrung with hamsterdam in the wire and here like you said he is a free agent to enforce things and enact what he needs to like it's very exciting because he's got the range he can do anything it's very exciting to see him play something like that and i was having a lot of fun whenever he was on screen absolutely i'm still blown away every time by how close the camera gets on castiel's face every time he's on screen like closer than anyone else in that scene they just really must like his face i'm thinking about like that scene in futurama where um oh fuck what is his name the the stupid like bimbo military guy the blonde hair yeah yeah i remember Kip, his yes. his like subordinate or whatever and he's like scrubbing his back lower 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 <laughs> too low lower i feel like eric kripke is floating around doing that like but zooming in on misha collins face yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah misha collins great face actor let me just also say that yeah face acting king yeah no absolutely it's a good face to look at that's a good face I just want to reiterate that out loud because apparently he talks about having a bad face and I'm like, stop it. No, I don't see it. Delusional levels of uh, self-doubt going on there. Uh, I see a a very good uh, screen actor face Mm -hmm. is what I see. And it it works enough that uh, when angels tell me that they have to kill or that like she's got to die, the Anna... Like, his face acting sells me on the scene. Yeah, no, I'm like, well, there she goes, I guess. <laughs> if you say so, Misha Collins. <laughs> Look, if Misha Collins says it, then I guess, there's just nothing we can do. All right, time to Wrap time it fork up. you over. <laughs> time for murder. <laughs> but that's when the, the episode ends. So it'll be interesting where they take it yeah. in, the, in the next one. A lot of good setup here and again a very enjoyable sam episode i've really appreciated how much yes, they let you, you ride with him yes sam the audience got to have some sam content as a little treat sam got to be a little bit bad as a treat good for you <laughs> but anyway shall we move on to the fanfic yeah i'm ready for the yeah. fanfic so you would think that for this one because This is the one where it's finally confirmed for sure that Sam and Ruby are in a sexual relationship. I would be like, well, let's have some Sam Ruby fanfic. Stop it. (laughs) Although I am interested in in the concept of like a straight romance empreg way more than I am with like two men empreg. Anyway. So you would think that. You would think I, I would go the Sam Ruby route. But no, I go to a much smaller 
much unappreciated ship that makes me kind of go crazy. Anna Ruby. I will spread the Anna Ruby propaganda. <laughs> and it's all just because of the one the one bit at the end where she's like, Ruby's not like other demons. And she just looks so dopey. And I'm like Yeah, a little you... bit. Give her the doe eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh. That. This is this is what ships are made out of. So I actually have three. They don't really have a lot of tags, so it won't take too long to talk about them. The first one is called The Ecstasy of the Rose by AO3 user Mercury. And the summary is, Ruby isn't like other demons. Anna travels to her past to find out why, only to become an inextricable part of her life. And this is one that is, like, historical. So it does it, it does go back to, like way back in time like ruby was talking about the tags are time travel religion backstory historical nonlinear, italy canonical character death um this one's only 8157 words and it has like 2400 hits but i think that's only because it was literally published in 2010 so it's had time to gain some in in contrast just like the other two are from 2020 and 2019, and actually the the 2021 is still ongoing. Each of those has only around 130 hits total. One of them is called Serpents and Grace by AO3s or Nickel Keep. The summary is, Anna is approached by a demon with information that the angel should have. The introduction to questioning her superiors is a lesson she didn't expect. So that's that one, and that's more of like a pre-relationship one. And the other one is called She Keeps Me Warm. It's by AO3 user Faye Rauko, which is spelled F-E-A-R-A-U-K-O. And the summary is, (laughs) angels don't disobey, they don't rebel, it's their murder one. But sometimes you just fall, ellipses. Um, Anna falls in more ways than one. And this one is the one that's ongoing. There's, uh, the other tags are pre-canon, 1600s period fic. It spans a lot of time. Human Ruby, Fluff and Angst, Hurt Comfort, More Tags Leader, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, I just like that people are still writing this and like there's not a lot of good fem slash content for this show. Probably because there aren't a lot of like <laughs> long term interesting female characters, unfortunately. Um, that does get better as the series goes on, but it was a huge problem, especially in the first five seasons. So are we ready to rate the episode? I think so. Let's rate the episode. Let's rate the episode. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I just think it ticked all of the boxes. It had good pacing. So, um, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5, um stained glass drawings hell yeah what about you ben uh i really liked it too i thought it was one of the strongest episodes i've seen yet of the show definitely the most focused definitely uh the most development for sam that i've seen for a long time um really liked it i thought it was hitting all the points that it needed to without uh losing what makes the show great expanding upon it even uh, by introducing these characters and um welcoming it even like 
as we've talked about like the lack of uh female representation on the show like more like even even though like uh dean has reasons for uh his mistrust initially like there is there's like an earned sentiment throughout the end of this so i'm gonna i'm gonna give this uh eight out of ten ruby schemes (laughs) that that pay off (laughs) hell yeah I am going to actually give this one a five out of five lines of corny seductress dialogue because I, yeah, Jordan, like talking about checking all the boxes, it totally does that for me. And I think like the scenes that I find like awkward or whatever are like totally overshadowed by the things that I love about the episode and like I just feel super engaged with it every step of the way and it's like everything I want out of an episode of this show and I think that means it's time for you to predict what's going to happen in the next episode Jordan and since this is going to be the second part of a two-part episode we ended on a cliffhanger I'm really interested to hear what you have to say yeah, I'm getting big, like, um, mid-season finale vibes from, like, this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna start with Anna Milton. Um, I... So we had talked previously that some people can just hear, like, angels speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out Dean wasn't one of them. Anna doesn't seem like that is her, because her powers seem to go beyond the scope mm-hmm. of, like, just being able to talk to angels, or, like, listen in on angels. So I'm guessing she's either, like a nephilim like a child of an angel and a human Mm -hmm. or that she's a fallen angel Mm -hmm. who has like lost her angelhood probably by choice because there's probably something bigger going on that she needs to stop um so i think she's probably gonna be forced to regain her angelhood which will make her like get her memories back Mm -hmm. and then i assume she's gonna like side with uriel in some kind of like ultimate destruction plan where castiel is then gonna be like no, like our orders are to follow what Dean does, and Ariel's like, no, is this making sense? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ariel's like, no, I gotta blow up stuff, which like, do it, Ariel. <laughs> Live your blow best everything life. Up. Yeah, exactly. If I had the power to blow things up, the world would be in danger. Okay, okay. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I love that. Love that. Can't wait to see that episode. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Union, Kentucky. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.